you and I both being Christian, and sometimes I feel the pressure of I might be the only Christian that someone has an experience with. So I better be a good one. Imagine, you know, having the label of pastor over your head as well. I think for me, that's been something that I've had to wrestle through. Honestly, I just want to be the most authentic and genuine person that I can be. I'm not trying to act like I have it all together. I think what the world really needs to see is genuine, authentic Christians that really recognize that they're only Christians because of the grace of God. If we would Mm. walk that out, I think that we would be a sweet aroma to culture rather than when we're walking around acting like we've got it all figured out. I think what the world really needs is a genuine, authentic uh, expression of who Christ is. And so that's what I've really just tried to embrace and embody. And I think that's really helped me build bridges with, you know, with the world. Welcome back to another episode of Spartan Leadership. I'm your host, Josh Kosnick. And if you're looking to be inspired today, you're in the right spot. I have with me this morning, entrepreneur, keynote speaker, leadership coach, executive pastor, host of Love Leadership Podcast. And I know most important to him is father and husband. So please join me in welcoming Mike O'Connell to the show. And Mike, before I kick it over to you, OC, I got to say this. Today, you're going to listen to two men of faith talk about business and life. If you're not open enough to listen to two men of faith talk about faith, probably turn off the episode now. But we're going to have some fun. And if you do stick with us, you're going to learn a lot. I promise you that. So, OC, your success story began with someone telling you that they didn't believe in you. They were told the odds were stacked against you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, your backstory. I love, obviously, your, your college football experience story that I got to hear. Uh, but, but lead us into that as we get into today's show. Yeah. Hey, first and foremost, Josh, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on the show. It's an honor and a privilege. And I'm just believing that our conversation today is going to make a difference, going to impact somebody. I love the challenge. Uh, I would just say if you're still tuning in after uh, Josh's challenge, Hey, just remain open. You just never know what you might receive today. And um, it's an honor to be with you. Yeah, my backstory. So grew up in Iowa City, Iowa. And, you know, for me, uh, I was a four sport athlete, just loved athletics growing up. And um, and so had the opportunity to to pursue college football. And for me, uh, my experience, uh, you know, in the pathway uh, towards that goal and that dream uh, was a little crazy. So I'll, I'll kind of share that story because I think it really sets up, you know, who I am today, you know, what I've done up to this point in my life. But at 17 years old, we were playing in the state semifinals. At the time, I was being recruited by every major Division One school in the Midwest. And I went to go block a kick and got hit in the midsection, ended up having a perforated valve. It was crazy, man. I spent seven days in the hospital, lost 30 pounds. You know, it was a nearly fatal injury. And so here I am, you know, on that Friday morning, we're playing in the state semifinals. I'm having an all-state season. Things are going great. The very next day, I can't walk, you know, 10 feet to the hospital door in my room. So it was really humbling. And it was an experience that um, really kind of shifted the trajectory of of my recruiting journey. So uh, after that moment happened, a lot of the major Division I schools that were recruiting me 
they wanted to, you know, see how I would respond to that injury. So they wanted to evaluate my first three games of my senior year. Well, I come out my senior year and I break my navicular bone, which is a, a bone in our foot. Uh, I break that in the first game, end up having to get two screws put in. And I missed, I think, seven games. And so you can imagine here I am, 18 years old, you know, obviously uh, we were a contender for a state title that year. We ended up winning it that year. And and, uh, you know, I ended up uh, playing four years of varsity football. And, uh, man, I was excited to go on to the next level. Well, after that injury happened in my foot, a lot of the major Division One schools backed off and they gave me walk-on opportunities. But the only scholarships that I had, man, were to Division One AA and Division Two schools. Well, I knew in my heart that I wanted to play at the highest level. Like, that was mm -hmm. my goal since I was a little kid. And so uh, on signing day... Uh, 2006, February, uh, I was in my coach's office and I said, hey, I'm going to walk on at the University of Iowa. I mean, I, the University of Iowa was right in our backyard. I was, you know, I was going to school uh, in Iowa City. And, uh, and so I made that decision. I called uh, the coaches at the University of Iowa. They were excited. You know, they were like, hey, we just believe that your best football is ahead of you. Well, two weeks later, I get notified by the admissions department that they didn't accept me into school. So some of you are probably like, wait, what in the world? Like, what happened there? Well, I went to a private school and uh, my GPA was a 3.3. Uh, so I was a B plus average. Well, one of the requirements at the University of Iowa was you had to be in the top 50% of your high school graduating class. Because I was at a small private school, our 50% mark was 3.65. So as a 3.3 B plus student, I was in the bottom half of my graduating class. They didn't want to budge on this and kind of what you referenced. Um, I, I went to go have a meeting with the provost at the University of Iowa. And we were just like, hey, can't you make any sort of um, like, like, can't you kind of waive this rule and let me in? I mean, you know, the circumstance, this high school is right in your backyard. And the provost looked at me and she just said, hey, data shows us that if we let you into school here, we believe you'll fail out in your first semester. Yeah. And so you can go to the community college down the road and, you know, try to get back in in a year from now. And I'm just, I just remember in that moment thinking to myself, like, who does this lady think she is? Like she is speaking death over me. And so I walked out of that room and I looked to my mom and I, th I said, I think God has a different plan for my life. And it's funny. I even said that because at the time I wasn't really a, a spiritual guy. I wasn't really walking closely with God. But I just realized that, man, um, I think God has something different for me. So I share all that backstory because, you, you know, I, I want the audience to understand that at 17 and 18 years old, uh, there were a lot of circumstances that I went through that I didn't plan to go through, you know, and that's that's what I've learned about storms is, you know, you're either heading towards one, you're in one or you're coming out of one. And that's just kind of mm -hmm. how life works. And it just it kind of shows up and the trial and, and circumstance, difficult circumstances just show up at our doorstep. And that's why I'm a big proponent of stay ready. So you don't got to get ready. And, and yeah. so I learned at a young age that perseverance is the key to achieving your dreams, your goals, and being successful because we all walk through difficult circumstances. And this, this journey led me to end up walking on at Iowa state university. So I started there in 2006 as a walk-on no name on the back of my jersey out they put me in the corner with like a stick as a freshman i mean it was a brutal experience and uh well, ended give, up, to our, give, 
give people some, I want to give people some perspective here that maybe listen to this on the West or East coast or down in the South in the Midwest, in Iowa, in the state of Iowa, they don't have professional teams. University of Iowa is life. And they, especially in Iowa city where you went to high school. And then the biggest rival is the in-state Iowa state cyclones. And at that time, and actually probably still to this day, uh, you may know better than I, but Nebraska, Iowa, and Wisconsin have the best walk-on programs. So 100%. if you're going to walk on and develop people like uh, Wisconsin, one of the best walk-ons ever is Jim Leonard, who's now the defensive coordinator, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, had 11-year NFL career, as a, and he was a you know, you know, short, 5'8", 100-pound nothing safety come out of the middle of the state of Wisconsin that has an 11 year NFL career. So I just want to give people that perspective because in the state of Iowa, there's no professional teams. It is Iowa and Iowa state, and you were committed to go to Iowa. And then a provost talks about data instead of looking at you as a human being. And you get that perspective of, Hey, God has a different path for me. And you end up going to the chief rival. No, sorry. Continue the story. We'll no, see. it's so, so that's such good perspective. It is true. I mean, sometimes I fail to even, you know, think about that because that's the other component to this that I think is really interesting. And you just kind of brought it to light is there was, you know, there was a lot of embarrassment connected to that season of my life. You know, you have to remember four year varsity starter, um, I mean, I, I had a great, uh, I had a great high school career. I'll never forget it going into my senior year. You know, you brought up Wisconsin. I was actually at, uh, I was in Madison at an elite camp uh, with the Badgers. It was a select uh, a group of, of guys and um, Ted Ginn senior uh, brought in a group from Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, he was there and, you know, he's a high school coach. Obviously many of you have heard of his son, uh, Ted Ginn Jr., who played in the NFL, played for Ohio State. Well, I was out there at this elite camp, and I was running routes against, you know, all these four or five-star guys from Cleveland that already had offers, and I was doing pretty well. And he came up to me, and he just looked me dead in the eyes, and he said, hey, man, I just want you to know you can play at this level. And um, I think that moment actually is what, you know, that was something that I hung on to pretty tightly. And so it's like, you see here, you know, as leaders, as people, we have the ability to like speak destiny and purpose into people's lives, or we can discourage them away from it. What a contrast of Ted Ginn Sr. and the pro. Yeah. Thank goodness that I held on to that encouragement because that honestly is what allowed me to stay in the game through the embarrassment, through the trial, through going to a rival. I mean, when, when I chose Iowa State, people, I, I didn't hear the end of it. And, and so you can imagine leaving Iowa City, going to Ames, Iowa, and sure enough, I, I land there in 2006. Like I said, it was a, a really humbling start. Go from being a stud in high school to one of 10 guys running out of the locker room on Saturdays with no name on my jersey. They gave me like a little egg crate in the center of the locker room. Um, a I mean, stick in an egg crazy. crate, huh? Yeah, I mean, a stick in an egg crate. That's That was about... Uh, you know, that was about the start of my experience at Division One football. wasn't so sexy. Let me tell you, I was walking around with uh, number 146 on all of my sweatpants, okay? So most guys are walking around the campus, you know, feeling good about their, their gear. I, I didn't wear my gear. Who wants to walk around with number 146? Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, 
So anyways, but uh, just like at a high level, ended up lettering four years there, played for three head coaches, you know, earned a scholarship, became a team captain and started the last, you know, two seasons there. So it ended up being a pretty incredible experience uh, amidst all the odds and, you know, based on where I started. But that journey really uh, through through college football is I carry a, I carry a lot of that with me today. I mean, I got a degree while I was there in marketing, but I'll tell you what, I, I learned a lot more about life going through all the, the stuff that I learned, you know, pursuing my football dream. Well, I, I think you were given many gifts in this situation, but being someone myself, first of all, being a D3, not highly recruited football player, I never got that ego of being highly recruited. I was told I could walk on at some of these D1 schools from the jump. So I was not as talented mm -hmm. of a receiver as you were. But I've seen, especially in business, because I've recruited many high-level athletes to come into sales, be financial advisors, uh, start their own career paths. Uh, you were given a gift of of humility early on because you went from a high to highly touted recruit to being told that you can walk on some of these highly touted recruits never get that gift of humility until they're well into their careers they've been catered to told they're the best things in sliced bread over and over and over again through high school and then into college and then all of a sudden they get in the real world post-college post their either collegiate career or NFL career. And they have no idea what the real world's like because they've been told they were great their entire lives. So I just wanted to say that if you hadn't recognized that gift at 17, 18, it's a gift I wanted you to see now because I've had to deal with some of those egos of ex-NFL or ex-collegiate athletes, highly touted recruited uh, collegiate athletes that haven't gotten that gift of humility yet, haven't gotten kicked in the face from the world yet. And so that's such uh, a good perspective, yeah. man. Such a good perspective. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, man. It's there's no doubt about it that, you know, I think humility is such a, a uh, it's an attribute that will take you further, honestly, than your talent were talent will. I see a lot of guys that, you know, actually our good friend Jordan has been saying this, this lately. And I think this is really good, but he was saying, you know, it's better to be um, overdeveloped and underexposed than than underdeveloped and overexposed so it's like i'd rather be i'd rather go through these difficult circumstances where where my character can be developed so that i don't just get to the show i don't just get on the stage i actually have the character and the humility to stay there for the long haul we don't want to be one hit wonders as leaders we want to yeah. man, we want to be race race finishers and so what a great point you bring up there yeah, and that ability to per persevere. So those people that have been tried by fire, and and as you brought up the perseverance that you've had, and I want to ask you a question on that again, but uh, you start to build a resume. You build this resume of like, oh, no, I, I went through something like that. And I came through the other side. And actually, I'm better for it. And you start and when you're in those down moments in those valleys or those troughs of life, you start to lean back and go, wait, no, 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 I've beat this before. And in fact, I'm undefeated every day I wake up. I'm undefeated every every time I wake up every day, every gift from God every day that we've been gifted from God, we are undefeated on every trial and tribulation we've been through and you start to build a resume uh, uh, that can prove to you and others that you can get through whatever. So on that topic, 
your ability to persevere through that situation and many more developed, obviously, your football career. What are some uh, important lessons that you picked up along the way in other scenarios, post college football, post uh, some of the other trials and tribulations? Maybe you want to touch on those, but what other perseverance items do you want to touch on there? Because I think that I don't think we can hammer this point home enough. The beauty with perseverance, and I say beauty because it really is a gift, is all of us are going to have to persevere at some point. So maybe the stories I'm telling you can't really relate to or connect with, but I bet it's, I bet it's triggering an emotion to a situation that you had to walk through in your own life. And so what I've just learned about these particular situations is number one, um, we need to remember them. Like you, you talked about being able to look back. And for me, these moments that we walk through in life, they're really memorials. I always say every test can become your testimony. And so I want to build a pattern of victory, of overcoming, of persevering, so that as the new battles that I face every single day in the next season, you know, whatever's down the road, I can look back and see the victories. I can see God's faithfulness. I can see that he never left me nor forsake me in the midst of those battles. And when I can look back at that pattern, it allows me to look the battles that I'm facing right in the face with courage. And so I think you're, 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 you're right on, man. And those, that season of my life has allowed me to, you know, walk through various trials. And that's the thing is like, I want people to understand on this call that that is life, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful to be doing the work that I get to do, you know, coaching and speaking and pastoring and inspiring and leading and all the great things. And um, I think we just live in a time where, you know, you could look at my life and what I'm projecting to the world. You could think, oh man, this guy just has it together. You know, beautiful wife, three beautiful children. He's, you know, doing all this work, but make no mistake about it. It is, it is not a life that is short of trial. Mm. I mean, we just, we're walking through some things with my wife's health as we speak. And this summer has probably been one of the most difficult seasons we've walked through as a family. And so, man, when you're in the pressure cooker, when you're, when, when you're being pressed down, um, you know, do you have a pattern of God's faithfulness in your life in the past that can allow you to persevere through that season with courage? Here's what I've learned, though, is there are always good things that come out of the pressing. We know that, man, grapes pressed create wine. Olives pressed create oil. We know that when diamonds are pressed, when they come under pressure, that's how diamonds coal is pressed. Yeah, diamonds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. coal is pressed and then the diamonds come forth. So there's beauty that can come from ashes. There's beauty that can come from the pressure. I would say don't run from the fire, lean into it, whatever circumstance you're facing today. Yeah, that's so good. So good. One of the actually the analogies that I heard recently that I loved is how does a submarine operate at depth? There's so much pressure underneath. The only way for a submarine not to collapse is pressure facing back out. And so the pressure, the pressure from the ocean, the pressure from the water of that depth is being counterbalanced by the pressure within. And it's really allowing something beautiful to happen uh, that that scientifically, you know, 
well, wasn't happened for thousands of years. And now they figured out that pressure begets pressure. I love it. it that, what you just said makes me think of Damon West. Many of you have probably heard of him. He's, you know, great speaker, talks of his messages, be a coffee bean. You, you have to go check it out. But I love he it. says something. Yeah, he says something that that uh, that has, that was really profound for me. And I think it connects to what you're saying here. And it connects to this whole idea of perseverance is um, there was a guy that he met when he was in prison. Again, you have to go get his backstory. But he basically looked at Damon and said, you know, you can't win all your fights, but you need to fight all your fights. And so I when we're, when, when I just, I absolutely love that because here's the deal. We are going to take some in the chin. You know, we, we are going to actually lose some battles. We're, we're you know, we're going to fail at times in life. But the real question we've got to ask is, it's kind of like you just said, like as the pressure comes against the, the submarine, what, what allows it to keep moving is the pressure back out. And so Man, as the battle comes, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, am I willing to fight this battle? So long as you can say that, that's the win. Just keep fighting mm. your battles. You may get knocked down, but you can stand up again and keep marching. That's so good. And I, and I have heard Damon say that. I, I, it might have even been in the podcast that he did with Jordan. Um, mm -hmm. you do, I just want to repeat that for everyone. So you don't have to play it again. But you don't have to. What is it again? Yeah, it's you. You don't have to win all your fights, but you, you must fight, all, fight your all your fights. Yeah. That's it. You don't have to win all your fights, but you have to fight all your fights. It's so good, so profound, and so true. So going back to you, though, you went from walk-on to team captain, now leadership coach, pastor, entrepreneur, father, husband. Um, how did the early experiences and transition out of college prepare you to be the man today? Because you're leading a big ministry. You're running a business, you're running a family and a household. Um, you're, you're busy and you're pouring it. And a lot of people, that, that's what a lot of people don't get about being a leader is it's not a crown to wear. It is, a, it is something that uh, you are a servant in. And so you're serving a lot of people. A lot of people need Mike O'Connell. They need you. They need, and they need a piece of you. And you feel that pressure. So how did that pressure that you've gone through earlier in life prepare you to be the man today? And how do you deal with that pressure of people needing you from a church level, family level, business level? Yeah, I mean, something that I learned through my journey in athletics is just keep showing up, you know, and I've learned through all the, the, the things I've walked through in life that, you know, when you're when you're faithful with little, you can be trusted with much. Um, for me, again, you, you know, you said it, we're, we're men of faith. And so the thing that's helped me carry the pressure of leadership and, and, you know, and be a good steward of the leadership is I always say this is just because you're a leader, you can't forget to be led. So for me, that's why my relationship with God is so crucial because I'm a follower before I'm a leader mm -hmm. and really leadership should just be an outflow of being led by him. So the reason why I feel like I actually even have something to give is because I'm receiving first. And I always say this is you can teach what you know, but people will catch what you carry. So leader, what are you carrying? And so I've just learned how to, um, you know, process through the stuff and continue to be led. It keeps me in a posture of humility. I'm not looking to get something as a leader. I'm looking to give something. I talk about this whole concept of lead different. 
You know, there are some leaders, man, that really do have the heart of a servant that, man, they, they want to serve rather than be served. Uh, their vision for others is greater than even their vision for themselves. We saw that with Jesus's life. And I want to be that kind of leader. And sometimes I get it right. And sometimes I don't. But all I've known is, man, bloom where you're planted. Like, what's the seed that's in your hand today? How do you sow that seed? Because you'll never reap fruit on seed that you hold on to. I see a lot of people that, you know, have leadership potential and they've got seed in their hands but they're not sowing it. And I've just learned, man, to, to sow what I've got. And through, you know, a number of different experiences, God just continues to uh, do exceedingly abundantly above all I could think, ask, or imagine. And that started for me, man, if I can just be really frank and honest is, you know, my dream after college was to be a professional football player. And so I pursued that. I got a workout for the Miami Dolphins, didn't get signed. I came out the year of the NFL lockout. So it was kind of crazy times. I ended up playing one season in the UFL, which which was 11 on 11 uh, outdoor mm-hmm. football. I think 45 of the 53 guys on our roster had played in the NFL. So it was great. It was a great league. And uh, after the season, I went out to California. I was training out there and, you know, just trying to get another shot. And that was the moment, 2012, June of 2012, where I just felt this shift where I just really, I really sensed that it was time to hang up the cleats. I really sensed that God had something different for my life and I didn't know what that was. And sometimes that can be the toughest place to be is in the midst of a pivot. I mean, this was a pivot. There was no plan B for me when you're pursuing pro football. I mean, all your chips are in. And I remember, I remember, I'll never forget this. It was July 2nd, 2012. I felt like, man, I, I feel like I'm supposed to go out and be a part of this church in Omaha, Nebraska. I had no job, no place to live. I drove 30 straight hours on July 2nd, 2012. And I landed here in Omaha, Nebraska uh, a decade ago. And so here I am, you know, a decade later. And I just look at the last decade and I just really do. I feel like I'm living in the promised land. I feel like I'm reaping a ton of fruit. And I think it just, it started with a seed. It started with a step. It started... It started by embracing the unknown, you know, taking the courageous step. And so I just, I just want to, I want to tell people that, you know, people might look at my life now and say, Hey, you know, you're making a difference. You're serving people. And I see even so much more, but it started with just a small step. It started with a lot of lonely hours, a lot of behind the scenes, you know, and I think that's where true humility, true confidence, true character, true courage is built is it's built in a lonely space. Mm. Like you, you just better believe it, that if you see any sort of leader making an impact, the question you should be asking is what are they doing behind the scenes? Because I promise you, um, every person that's making an impact, it's all the stuff that they're doing uh, behind the scenes that's really helping them make a difference out in front. That's so good. Uh, people have often heard, and I've often heard it said that uh, it's lonely at the top. I'm sure leaders listening to that, uh, to me say that right now, have heard that phrase, most of you. Uh, I think what you're keying on there, uh, A, is faith, right? And, and what a leader yeah. is looking to, to uh, get guided themselves. Uh, but in that lonely time, how are they strengthening their fortitude? How are they strengthening their faith? How are they strengthening their resolve to be able to lead in the manner that they need to lead their people, whether they're running a business, a church? a family, 
a community organization, whatever it might be, I love that to ask that question of what are they doing in their lonely times to strengthen their fortitude, resolve, perseverance. So that's so good. Uh, can I say something that, about that? Just can yeah, I say absolutely. something on that real quick that I think could be super helpful for some leaders listening in is because you touched on this earlier. I think the the thing that we've got to understand, and this is if you're a leader listening to my voice right now, the challenge that we will forever face is we've got to keep our egos in check. Like, and this is this isn't something this maybe comes more naturally for some leaders than others based upon circumstances that they've walked through. But this has to be an active work in our life. I mean, we've got to keep the ego in check and we've got to be and we've got to continue to grow in our identity and our security. And here's why I say this, because I see so many leaders that they they buy the lie that they have to be lonely at the top. And I, I, I just want you to know this, that there is definitely lonely work that needs to be put in. But the greatest leaders are the most secure leaders and the most secure leaders surround themselves with people that are better than them. So yes. you should want to get in rooms with people that make more money than you do, that lead their families better than you, that are stronger physically or have their diet in check more than you, or that are coaching or speaking at a greater scale than you, or have written multiple books when you haven't written any. Because the atmosphere you permit decides the product you produce, you're becoming like the people that you hang around. And so what I think prohibits a lot of leaders from getting in those kinds of rooms is their ego. So the, the higher you climb or the, or the more influence you get, man, the lower you've got to get, the, the more you should desire to be reaching out and getting around people that are better than you. Because I promise you, if you do that, I think that's how we stay healthy. I think that's how we stay grounded. I think that's how we keep our egos in check. And I think it's how we maximize because we are becoming like those that we hang with. And I know you can probably attest to this in your own life. Yeah, no, I'm glad you went there because that's a little bit what I was alluding to in those lonely times is what are they doing behind the scenes? Are they in masterminds? Are they seeking guidance from people that so have been good. there, done that? Are they so think about like um, the Boys and Girls Club or any uh, or the church that you run? All of them have a board of directors. Mm -hmm. And that board of directors helps the leader, whether it's the church, the community organization, the business, the like banks have board of directors, right? They all have board of directors for a reason is to help direct decisions, help have input into the direction that that leader wants to go. The leader bounces ideas off of these board of directors and the people in that board that volunteer their time are of high caliber. They are either CEOs themselves, they're uh, elders of the community or the church or, or just wise counsel, let's just say. Let's put them as wise counsel, regardless of position. That's what a board yep. of directors is. Imagine having that in every one of your life. That's what everyone mm -hmm. should strive for. Having a board of directors, whether that's a group of friends or, or a group of wise elders that are in your life to speak truth into your life. Profoundly awesome. said. That's amazing. That would be awesome. One of the things that was going through my head that I was going to go to next was your, so this example of you and I both being Christian, and sometimes I feel the pressure of, or because I have this thought that always goes through my head is that I might be the only Christian that someone has an experience with, so I better be a good one. Mm. And, and, and we know, we have seen 
Christian brothers and sisters being judgmental and turning people away in the secular world and the secular world uh, really turning against us uh, in, in many respects. And I was just thinking about, man, you're a pastor. Like, do you ever get that feeling of like you and know, and also knowing that, you know, we're imperfect humans, we're meant to be imperfect, and we're saved through Jesus Christ. How do you how do you reconcile that being a pastor and feeling like you have to be, uh, I don't want to say perfect, because I know you don't feel like that, but just that pressure of being the the only version of a Christian that someone might run across, and you want to be a good example of that. For sure. No, that's a, that's such an honest question. And it's, it's definitely something that I've had to wrestle with, you know, heading down this path. I mean, I told you this, I never envisioned myself being a pastor. I mean, I didn't even go to seminary. It's not like this was something I grew up envisioning for my life. I just feel like I'm following God's call on my life. And with that, you know, I'm, I'm still a human. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just as much of a human as anybody else. And so there's no question that the question you just asked is something that is in my mind quite frequently because, and this is just like perspective I would want to give our listeners is I think all of us as Christians, kind of like you just mentioned, uh, we carry this, this kind of these thoughts, these questions with us when we're trying to build bridge uh, with people in the community. Now, imagine, you know, having the label of pastor over your head as well. I think for me, that's been something that I've had to wrestle through, honestly, uh, especially in the line of work that I feel like I'm called to do because I'm doing a lot in the secular space. I'm coaching, I'm speaking, I'm, you know, and I, and I, I want to continue to expand and make a difference. And I think really the place that I've come, man, is like, I just want to be the most authentic and genuine person that I can be. I'm not out here. Uh, trying to put up a facade. I'm not trying to act like I have it all together. I think what the world really needs to see is genuine, authentic Christians that really recognize that they're only Christians because of the grace of God. If we would mm. walk that out, I think that we would be a sweet aroma to culture rather than when we're walking around acting like we've got it all figured out. What I Which think none of us do. Needs, none of us do. We just don't, man. We're all in process. And so I think what the world really needs is a genuine, authentic, uh, expression of who Christ is. And so that's what I've really just tried to embrace and embody. And I think that's really helped me uh, build bridges with, you know, with the world. And holding space for people, as I told you about my friend and business partner, who's agnostic, um, we have some of the deepest conversations. And he knows scripture, like I said, even better than I do. And he always speaks respectfully about it. But he doesn't hold the same belief I do. And that's okay, that he's on his journey, and I'm on my journey, and we can still have great conversations, still share similar values, not exact same values, and still be able to do life together, break bread together and speak truth into each other's lives. It's For the sure. judgment that society places, whether it's Christians against the secular world or the secular world against Christians. It's, it's judgment and hate. If you just lean into love, which, again, Jesus talks about, just leaning into love, it's going to be a much better world that you're going to live a much happier life, a much more peaceful life. And so I just wanted your take on that. I've never been able to really ask a pastor that because I can just imagine the pressure that you're under, um, or at least feel at sometimes to be that example to everyone. Um, 
because I felt that pressure and I'm not a pastor. So I just had to come to mind. For sure, man. For sure. No, I think if we could learn, you, you touched on something that I think is so, it's, it's so big, man. And it's, if we can reconcile this if, or if we can see restoration in this, I think we will have healthier relationships is we, we have to be willing to agree to disagree and still love each other. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that's the, that's the problem is we have labeled disagreement as hate and that's just not true. Um, it's, I think, again, that's why we, that's why humility, tact, those sorts of things are, are so important because we need to be able to have these honest dialogues and not feel like we've got to fake who we really are. I want to bring my most authentic self, but I want you to bring your most authentic self. And if your most authentic self doesn't align or your belief system doesn't agree with mine, that's okay. Like, let's have some dialogue about it. And to your point, let's allow, uh, let's, let's both bring love to the, to the relationship and the connection and who knows what will happen over time. Right. Yeah. And we're all, that's the biggest point is we're all going through this human experience together. We're all mm -hmm. going through it individually. We're all going to go through different trials and tribulations, uh, different and same. Right. So we are mm -hmm. experiencing this thing called life as a human all together. So if we lean in through love and understanding versus hate, discrimination and, and judgment, uh, we'll all live a much more harmonious life. So on that sure. point, one of the first conversations you and I had, uh, you were you were asking me because I'm leading a large business, uh, how to bring a message and how you would be viewed as a pastor uh, coming in to speak to a secular company that, you know, a lot of these companies don't want religion brought up at all. And whether you do or don't, it comes through your ethos, because you are that that person. So you were kind of asking me some questions about that. Um, how has that evolved over the last three years, uh, since you asked me that question? And how are you uh, continuing to cross that bridge to be uh, speak truth into people's lives, not necessarily from a Christian standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint, because that's who you are a leadership coach. And and an entrepreneur in and of yourself. So you're going into these companies, you're coaching people that may or may not have the same beliefs as you. How are you bridging those now since you've asked me that question a, a number of years ago? It's so good, man. Yeah, I've, it's been a journey and it still is. And it's something that I'm navigating. And um, I, I think for me, I just, man, at the end of the day, I can say that, you know, I genuinely like what gets me excited, what what kind of puts the fire in my belly, so to speak, when my, when my two feet hit the floor in the morning is I just want to make a difference in people's lives. And I want to see people uh, reach their full potential. And that's just a, like, that's my genuine heart. And, and so for me, uh, I just don't want to be written off, man. I don't, I don't <laughs> want that label to be the stumbling block for me doing what I feel like I was created to do. And I think that's what creates some of the tension is, man, I just want a chance. Just give me a chance to get in front of your people. And uh, there's just an honorable way. I, I'm a, I'm a, I have a level of awareness uh, and I know who I'm serving. So at the end of the day, I think I've just learned how to navigate this. I'm going to be who I am. I can't undo that. I can't undo certain components of my life. But I'm, I definitely have the wherewithal to understand what sort of environment I'm walking into what I can say, what I should maybe stay away from saying. And man, if people want, people want to hear me preach, they can just tune into our church. I get plenty of reps <laughs> at preaching the gospel and giving Bible studies and that sort of thing. So 
that's not what embodies, uh, you know, all of my communication, what I'm passionate about communicating. Now, a lot of my ethos, to your point, comes from, you know, looking at the life of Jesus. I, I would argue that he was the greatest leader of all time. And here's the deal. Amen. Whether he's your God or not, just go study the life of Jesus and look at the principles. You know, when I say, hey, leader, let's be leaders that look to serve rather than be served. That's not preachy, but that's what Jesus did. Jesus also said this. He said this about his team of 12. He said, greater are the works that they will do than the works that I did. I was thinking about this before our call. Is my vision for the people I'm leading is my vision for them bigger than my vision for them for, for than for myself because that's what it was for Jesus he said they would do greater man look at those principles are you kidding me like so i think there's so much that we can pull principle wise from from the scriptures and i think that that does show up in my talks mm -hmm. but hopefully at the end of the day um i just hope that i can continue to build bridges and be be a trusted voice uh, in the secular space and make a difference in people's lives. Such a good point you brought up there. Uh, a couple of years ago, I gave a speech and I asked a similar question, or not a question, but I had a similar premise to what you were just speaking to. I asked the question, now keep in mind, Trump was president at that point, And I started mm -hmm. off the talk in a sense of, tell me who you think is the most controversial person to ever walk this planet. <laughs> Trump was the first name brought up. Uh, obviously, he's very polarizing. Uh, but I said, No, believe it or not, uh, that name would be Jesus. Mm -hmm. But the question that came in mind for me and just going through that is why? Like, if you think about Gandhi, if you think of, who is a very imperfect human, and if you study him at all, not just his teachings, but actually how he treated uh, uh, women, and some of his other things, he was a very imperfect, very flawed man. Um, mm -hmm. If you look at Martin Luther King Jr., very uh, profound, very spiritual, very uh, good with words and fought for an amazing cause, but he was also an adulterer. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, and those are just a couple of examples, and I could go on, Buddha, otherwise, Jesus gets a bad rap when actually he did none of those things. It's written, it's, um, there's been infinite people try to disprove. And yet all his leadership lessons all throughout time have stayed true. And to who he is as a or who he was as a person has stayed true and constant. And yet he gets a bad rep and we don't study his leadership principles. It's always been really interesting to me. Um, in today, maybe it's just the time that we're growing up, maybe it was different before uh, you and I were born since we're similar in age, but um, ever since I started my spiritual journey and studying Jesus's leadership, because that's who I am as a leadership coach. And, and uh, it's just been interesting to me to see the dichotomy of how other historical leaders are revered. And yet Jesus's name, even bringing it up is controversial. It's such a good perspective, man. And I think you know, you're really opening, you're, 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 op you're opening kind of the door to like the greater kind of the, the, the greater like spiritual weight of what's going on in our, in our world. And, and, and I'll go there for just a second, because I think it's really interesting thought that you bring up is 
you know, I, I just believe that, you know, life isn't a playground. It's a battlefield. There's a, there's a spiritual battle at play here. And I think one of the, the verses of scripture that I think about is John 10, 10. It says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and life to the full. I think sometimes good things can cause us to miss the great thing. Can we agree in life? Yeah. Right. And so I think, I think, again, this is just my take. And I say this humbly, no matter what your beliefs are, I totally respect you. I think you're on your own journey. Everybody's on their own journey. But I think the reason why some of these other uh, historical figures are more accepted is because I think a good thing can cause us to miss the greatest thing. I mean, why is there such an attack on the name of Jesus? That's just food for thought. Like, just consider yeah. that. I mean, I think that there's, I think the enemy would do anything to keep us from the truth. And so, and so, you know, just ponder that. Why is, why is, why is Jesus the one that is, you know, widely and worldwide um, oftentimes uh, just, you know, looked upon differently? So just food yeah. for thought. Yeah, no, it's great. Um it's great food for thought. And again, I want to reiterate that Mike and I are not saying that you have to follow Jesus. What we are saying mm -hmm. is that you should study his leadership principles. If you have any, any inclination of being a leader or you are a leader, how he served, how he loved. Um, I heard the other night as I was uh, in a men's study group that I think there was something, and you may know this stat, where Jesus uh, asked 307 questions in the in the New Testament, he was asked 180 some, he only answered three, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is pretty interesting. Um, he was a genius question asker, he was leading people to get them to think what they believe, and get their thought and perspective on it, not just constantly teach and preach. Um, so he is a fascinating leader uh, really to is. study. Uh, so whether, again, whether you choose to follow Jesus like Mike and I do, or you don't, that is not our business. That's your business. Yep. You should study him as a leader if you're truly going down the leadership path, because to have 12 disciples turn into billions of followers, that is leadership in a nutshell, right? The, really the greatest is. example of leadership of all time is influence. Think about the influence that that one person had. So, amen. That's great. OC, we're approaching our time. I wish we didn't have to stop, but uh, we're getting to that 60 minute mark. And I like to keep it on time for our uh, listeners as well as you getting back to your day and busy life. One of the things you said, uh, and this is how I end every show, and you don't know this, but you said that <laughs> seeing the good uh, misses, we miss the great or something of that variation. Mm -hmm. How yeah, I end yeah. every show. And for all of you listening, as you know, is that good and great are the enemies of possible. So with that mm -hmm. being said, lead like a Spartan today. Till next time. <laughs>